Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And a good morning at you. It's April 23rd. It's a Tuesday, meaning my sister Susan's going to be joining us, is joining us. Suze? Yeah, it's just the 23rd. <laughs> what, are you th- what are you wanting it to oh. be? I don't know, like further, closer to the next election. I want to, I want to, I keep, you know, I, it's been years now that I keep wanting to, I'm back to where I was as a very um, anxious young woman when I kept thinking in five years, I'll feel like, you know, I've gotten to a comfortable place. And it was always like five years down the road. And I'm back to thinking in maybe a a year and a half, I'll feel like we're back in the country. Do you remember that feeling, or was that just me? No, no, and I think when you're young, uh, you know, five years is an eternity, but but at our age, time... Yeah, a year and a half is about as far as I can go. Yeah, and and you shouldn't wish away any day, because... No, because it goes... Well, here's the thing. At our age, it also goes by in the blink of an eye, and it seems to be crawling. Well, right. That's another thing. So I'm going to have to does. sit back and enjoy the magnolia blooms. There you go. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. You know, I rode in on the bus today, and I spent the whole time watching a video on on on, on YouTube of a bunch of people rescuing a dog from, uh, you know, uh, he was about to go over a, 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 a waterfall. And it took... It took them, you know, 10, 15 minutes. It took different people doing different things. They were all strangers coming together. And I was completely, you know, enthralled by watching human beings uh, behave, uh, you know, altruistically, humanely, humanely, uh, cooperating with each other uh, for no reward, for nothing other than doing. It was so... uh, it it really was wonderful. <laughs> and then I looked up and I was here. And I thought, oh boy, okay, back to back to the real world. Um, yeah, I don't know, Suze. We got a. It's going to be a long, long slog. And um, and I, it, it's difficult to know. Um, where do you stand at this point? I know when I, Susan and I were together this past weekend and I uh, on impeachment versus non-impeachment right, versus investigation right. I'm beginning to you know I had swayed all the way back all the way over to I think it's best to investigate and the more I think about it the more I think that that it is the duty of the Congress to say no there is such a thing as a norm there is such a thing that is not acceptable behavior in our chief executive. He can't, you you know, I mean, really? You really want to test this? How far are you going to take it? Do we need to put him out on Fifth Avenue to shoot somebody before anybody does anything? This, it, it, this should be impeachable over and over and over. And, and, you know, part of it is Giuliani out there now trying to say, there's nothing wrong with getting help from a foreign government. <laughs> Well, yes, there 
is. Yes. If there is a law that says it is illegal to take money for purposes, for election purposes, from a foreign entity, a foreign government, then taking in kind anything that benefits the campaign is also illegal, and my proof is that you would have to report it. Anything that you receive that is of benefit, whether it is in form of money or services, needs to be disclosed. It is, so yes, it is a crime. It is something of value, but that's not the only. And what bothers what bothers me is that we've got a whole group of of politicians and and that are in control that are intent on misinforming the populace about what their law is and this populace is more than willing to believe it and and it just bothers me i mean where do we start i mean i've said for years we start with going back to having a class in fifth grade or eighth grade called civics Civics. Yeah. yeah but you know i it's the whole thing no i think i'm back in impeach how about you well, I am. I think that's. <clears throat> I think there's a, a responsibility, <clears throat> excuse me, and a duty uh, to do that. And I, I, I think you can. Uh, the people are. Well, and Pelosi's. Well, listen. Pelosi's argument is a political argument about why not to. Her argument is not that whether it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. It's Pelosi's not. argument is that it's not the. Um, it, it's not the right thing to do in terms of elections, right? that it might backfire. And I don't, you know, excuse me, this is the job. It might be unpleasant, and you know what? It might backfire, but it is your duty, and therefore you have to I do it. I think it is, too. I think it's, um, this is the uh, historic, uh, this needs to be noted, uh, historically, that uh, this president, his conduct uh, went well beyond what is tolerable. Well, MSNBC just flashed up a poll that says 59% of Democrats agree with us. Yeah, I, I think it'll grow and grow. This, um, And so they need to be made aware of that. I would... Uh, this is where you do get on the phone. And well, you tell Pelosi your... needs to understand that her her uh, political <laughs> equation is a mess. She's she's uh, she's she's made a mistake in the algebra. Well, I mean, I, what? I, I far be it for me to. <clears throat> why can't what my voice is going? Okay, well, let me say this while you are clearing your throat. I don't think that we can hold Republicans accountable for their amorality and their political judgments and do the same on our side and hold our heads up. I think we have to do the right thing. Right. And I I just want to say that I don't know that Pelosi is totally opposed to impeachment, but I think she thinks that the ongoing investigations that are actually getting not very far because every inch of the way for every subpoena and every... We're going to have to sue them for all the material. But you know what? An impeachment uh, situation would probably result in the same thing, would it not? Or does it change? Well, at at least in the impeachment situation, we we, we are able to subpoena the same witnesses he, they can get McGann up there to testify, you know, to these things, and that seems to be, you know, they can get Cohen up there to testify. They can get whoever they want, 
and then they based on their own gathering of information from these people don't think that they don't have tons of documents already um you know leaked or otherwise but i you know and maybe the courts will expedite this but at least they need to be seen to try to do the right thing okay um, to protect to protect us to protect our you know representational democracy I am being told, this is just an aside, that Susan is much louder than me. Uh-oh. Well, that's, you know, no. I'm ga- I have to go back to my formerly sweet person. No, it's not. No, this would be audio levelly kind of things. It's not that you're, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm barely speaking because I can't. I, but I, I don't know. It's a, it's a real, um, it's a difficult uh, issue, but I just think Democrats need to do the right thing, and the right thing is to put a marker down in the history books that this was intolerable and this present president unfit. Um, and you do that yeah. by impeachment with the full knowledge that it um, <clears throat> there will probably not be a conviction because the uh, Senate, which is the jury here, um, has abdicated all of its uh, responsibilities, quite clearly, um, in, in fealty to what they worship, which is, uh, I guess, tax cuts. What is it there for? I can't quite figure it out anymore. State power. Just raw power. power. And, you know, a lot of times I think when as Democrats dither about this and what are we doing handering, just stop and think if the tables were reversed, what Republicans would do. My God, impeachment would have started, you know, a year ago. President Clinton would have, with the same, with the same, Hillary, uh, with, the, with the same charges levied against her, would have been, you know, out of office so quick that there would have been, you know, tire skids on the driveway. So I, I mean, I, you know what they would have done? They would have just they and and Obama. I mean, really. And the fact that there shouldn't really be any discussion about this. Well, well, there's going to be plenty of discussion about it because. Oh, I know right there's going to be plenty of discussion, but are are being uh, very cautious very cautious well but if we don't do it the norms i are know gone. we let him lower the, the standards yeah are gone well there we have done we have job. writ large that you get to do whatever is politically expedient and um uh, everything else be damned so you know you can't do it I mean, the odds are, if there is uh, an impeachment, the, I mean, I'm trying to figure out the timing. Uh, So the campaign, the presidential campaign, would be taking place with the, at the same time, right, as the impeachment? How long would the impeachment take before it's Well, you know, so that's when I allow people to get politically expedient. I mean... You might want to time it, you know, like like you're playing with the two-minute warning, and <laughs> you want to lobby off your bombshell, you know, on election eve, and you don't really care whether it comes to a Senate vote. Right, but then... They the can Senate, impeach then the after the election. He's you, still in office. Right, but if you push it so that 
before there's a Senate vote, um, there's the election and the American people. Well, I, yeah, the I American think that you time, throw you time the, the vote of impeachment in the House to the election eve night. And what happens in the Senate is of politically no consequence. And and might change depending on the vote. No, but you, you have know, to do the might... no. You have to do the impeachment vote well before election night because you need all of the uh, witnesses to be called. You need to see these people saying. Oh no! You need to have the vote. I mean, but you want to wrap up right at. Well, right. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, because, well. Once you start the impeachment process, I give you all the permission you want to behave politically within the system because it because this thing will indeed speak for itself it is of in and of its essence you know political to release all of this you know swamp water into the public viewing but it it will be riveting i think it'll be interesting to hear out of the witnesses mouths right. what went on it's a lot and, more powerful um, and i think a if you run this you know, carefully, and you can schedule all these committee meetings and do it quite deliberately, right up to you know, maximal effect. I think, uh, I think, ugh, I think you can do the right thing and benefit at the same time. I really do. Although I, I, I do get queasy uh, second guessing Nancy Pelosi because I do feel she's got such a. St- First of all, strong political instinct, but also uh, I I value her understanding of how things yeah, play uh, out. And I I'll guess. and I'll take it under advisement. But it, she's got a I mean, right now all she's saying is that in in her political calculation, it's the inappropriate thing to do. And I start out at the place where I think that's that answer falls short because it, it speaks nothing of the duty. Of Congress. Well, I'm with you. I mean, the, to me, we've got that duty, and she is the right. So if of so, the if House. we start there, then yeah. If if you start there, Lynn, then what does her experience and you know, it's a calculation that you and I have already deemed inappropriate. Yeah. I don't know though. Republicans, uh, yeah. The, What's the eye on the prize? I mean, the what's the prize? The prize is the prize is 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 a is a Democrat president. That's right. She is fearful that this would impede that. I don't agree with that, and you don't. I either. do not see the two things. This is but, totally separate, and and I I want to I want to be able to hold our heads up as Democrats. Hmm. Don't I mean really? Don't doesn't don't we all? Yeah. Don't we all want to do the right thing for the country and aren't we mad at the other side for not? Yeah. We're always the good guys. I guess. Well, we have to be the good guys. Well, somebody's That's all, got a right? I mean, somebody's I don't, got a hue uh, think, to the to the to what used to be the norms. Somebody has to uh, pay attention to what the responsibilities of these branches of government are, and it's quite clear 
that the oversight responsibility that was given to the Congress has been absolutely disregarded for far too long in every way and has resulted in a much stronger executive than we've ever had. And that might be okay if the executive is, uh, you know, rational, but the executive wielding all that power right now is <laughs> is nuts and dangerous. Yes. Right, so and he's it, and he's just it, openly defying Congress, and you know, in every way, he's telling officials not to comply with subpoenas. You're going to have to, you know, sue him every step of the way. But that's fine. Let's expose the stink. As you know, what's he hiding? Hmm. We we have a right to know. I you know I mean you know to bastardize the, the you know some beautiful quote if if not now when and if you know not uh, if not us then whom? Yeah, I think you did bastardize that. If not now, when? If not, I have not a clue. Little Tony, though, is on the other side on this. He says, I'm afraid <clears throat> that impeachment could help Trump get reelected, and that's a price that's too high to pay. At this point, to hell with doing the good and noble thing. It's not that I don't think he should be imp shouldn't be impeached. I just think it's not worth the risk. I'm with Nancy. P.S. Susan is always louder than you. <laughs> Susan, that's not... <laughs> It's yeah. I've had two people say that now. It used to be, didn't it, that you couldn't hear people that were, and now it's the other way around. Okay. Well, we'll try. Right. To, right. We'll try to even things out a little bit. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I wish, I wish I knew the right thing to do. We're all flummoxed these days because all the benchmarks we had for how one how a country functions, how we work. It's all just been... Yeah, you see, I just, just don't think... I mean, I, impeachment impeachment to some extent is always a political calculation. Of, of course it is. But I don't... I don't ever recall this kind of dithering about, you know, when when you got a guy that has created... that has... I, I, the number of impeachable offenses is sort of mind-boggling. Right. And, you know, and we could say just, oh, screw it, because, ha-ha, he's going to go to jail so fast after he, you know, loses this next election that it'll be amusing. But we got I ahead mean, of we, ourselves once before, and, you know. Yeah, I know. And we didn't, we thought he would lose the election, and he didn't. This, yeah, I this know. This is what's scaring um, us. Um. Uh, Paul Krugman. Well, good thing. Okay, we remember. We remember what happened. So here's what we, what we have to do. We have to make sure that doesn't happen again. And all that requires is a ton of us getting out and all voting for one unsplintered opponent. Well, that'll be that'll be something to see. But um, we haven't gone through this process. We don't know if if the Bernie Bros will tolerate voting for um, somebody other than him, there's already polling showing that they won't. I mean, that there's a he's got a certain cadre of people who are unwilling to vote for the Democratic nominee if it is not him. Not I'm not saying all of them, but uh, a lot of them. Um, so I don't know. Who, who, who knows how much 
we will damage ourselves in the process of choosing a nominee. It's scary. Because there's going to be like 30 well, people in the race. That, there, there's going to be 30 people in the race. Biden's jumping in when? Tomorrow or something? Um, I don't know. Uh, Paul Krugman in the Times today says uh, that, something that we have said before, but, you know, the Republican Party has abdicated its responsibilities in every way. It has even abdicated the values that supposedly uh, were the bedrock of what it meant to be a Republican. And they have also clearly abandoned and abdicated um, America and its values, American values. Uh, so I, you know, it, it it is really clear they are they are a party that is. How would you even characterize what the Republican Party uh, represents? How would you characterize it? Rich lies and corruption. Lies, corruption, rich corporations. Um, misogyny. Misogyny. Uh, and he points out that everything the Republican Party stands no, for... No, racism, and uh, I yeah. mean anybody but old white guys is... Right. That their whole policy agenda, if you look at it, is is unpopular with the American people because by by large margins, the American people say that they don't think the rich and corporations pay enough in taxes. And uh, by even larger margins the people of this country do not want cuts made to Medicare, Medicaid, and safety net programs. Yet, if you think about it, every Republican budget proposal over the last decade has been those two policies. Cut taxes for the rich and corporations and cut Medicaid. So take from right. the poor and, and, and give to the rich, them. and you ask, right. so how do, you know, he asked the question, so how do they win elections if their policies are so unpopular? They do it by lying. They do it by lying about their policies, and they do it by playing on racial resentment. That's it. They win by appealing to the fears of white people, and they win by lying to those same people about what they will well, do. But that doesn't, explain, that doesn't explain all of the non-white people that actually vote for these people. Well, there's not a lot. I mean, there's a bunch of brown people that do. There's not a lot of black people that vote for them. No, but there are a bunch of brown people. and Well, that's true, but that's because I think uh, a lot of brown people are uh, come from conservative cultures. And the, yeah. the liberal uh, social leanings that Democrats embrace are off-putting to some folks from more conservative cultures. So they're uncomfortable. That's my guess. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, Krugman says the simple fact is is that one of our two parties, the one that likes to wrap itself up in our flag, no longer believes in American values. And it's very much up in the air whether America as we know it will survive this. Well, did you see the article, I can't remember, probably the Washington Post, a few days ago about uh, the billionaires beginning to get worried yeah. about whether capitalism can survive, right? Right. Yeah, and basically saying what I was saying, which is what makes them think the French Revolution can't happen to them, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he does think it can happen. Yes. And that capitalism, uh, yeah, is is off the rails, has gone off the rails. Right, and and just like people are not fooled, like when all of these um, oligarchs in France um, ponying up millions of euros for Notre Dame, uh, while, all, while people were saying thank you, they were also pointing out that these were the very same people that said they didn't have a pot to piss in and they couldn't pay any more taxes. That's right. And that they were going to be deducting these millions and, in effect, <laughs> taking, having the taxpayers pay for, you know, a large part of their largesse. And, and so this was an actually very interesting report about how people are suddenly not being so grateful that Bill Gates, you know, gives half his fortune away. But, you know, big deal. He's still controlling the money. He's still, this, you know, making all the policy decisions, and he's still not paying the taxes. So it's not enough to get let this it's very no longer small enough. group get that rich, and then we what are going to rely on them to help uh, help the poor amongst us? Uh, right. If all of your workers are floating up with you, people are suddenly noticing, and you know what? They'd rather you keep the name off the building and pay your people. It would be better for a nation. You'd be living just as large, no problems. But everybody would be better off. <laughs> and you wouldn't be playing these shell games, taking all the credit, and actually foisting at least a third or a fourth or, or, or up to a half of the costs onto the taxpayer. Gigi writes, I have contacted all of my representatives to let them know that it is time to convene impeachment and hearings. We cannot tolerate this disregard for and dismantling of our democracy. If we do not take a stand now, when will we? Enough is enough. I don't agree with Nancy Pelosi on this one. Um, yeah. I don't, I'm, I, I don't either. I mean, I, it was right when the Mueller report came out and I saw it, I thought, my God, you gotta impeach. It's our duty. <laughs> it's our duty. I don't. Yeah. So, um, speaking of that, so did you? I watched. There were all these town halls on CNN last night. I mean, if you want to see some of these people who would be the next president, and uh, it's sort of hard to watch it all. I happened to catch a little of Kamala Harris, who, you know, seemed just fine. Um, I think one of the reasons that this Buttigieg comes across well is he doesn't quite talk like any of the others do. 
the others all sound like politicians do, that the words they are saying they've said a million times before, you know? And it always seems with him that he's sort of talking off the top of his head. And I, and that's appealing to me. Uh, right, that he's actually listened to the question and he's answering he's the question answer in the it. moment. Yeah. And whatever, I, I still find him uh, very, very appealing. Attractive. She is... Well, I think appealing. everybody's off, you know, surprised by how well he's doing and, and how it's holding. Yeah, so far. People aren't changing their mind. I'm not changing my mind. Well, yeah. I'll be happy with anyone else, but I, you know, well, with several of the others, but, you know, I think there's a lot of talent out there. But right now, that's where I would cast my primary vote. Well, I I don't know. I I guess. I don't know, though. I just don't know. What about uh, Elizabeth Warren's uh, latest uh, uh, thing? I, I do like... She's saying she would. I like a lot of their ideas. I think there are some wonderful ideas being floated out there by a lot of the candidates. And I think that's what's so wonderful about having this larger pool. All of this introduction of all of these policy options that a lot of people don't think are options because they hadn't thought of them. Well, they or they've been told that it's uh, impossible. It couldn't possibly happen. You know, you can't have but, Medicare for all. You can't have a Green New Deal. You can't have uh, a a uh, a restructuring a, of student loan a student debt. debt. You can- and you know, because all of this costs a ton of money. It is true. But she just flat out says, "Yeah, you get the money by making the rich and the corporations pay." Taxes. If they had paid, if they had paid uh, their employees properly, and and their employees wouldn't have had to take out loans to go to these colleges, and if and if loans hadn't become the way this country decided that upper level education should be paid for, I mean, when I went to Washington University in St. Louis as an undergraduate. In 1968, 1969, I had a guaranteed for four years tuition rate of $2,500. That's what four years at a premium, so $10,000 was what the tuition was for four years at a premier institution. That same institution today, tuition is I'm sure at least two hundred thousand dollars a year, equaled by you know no. dorm costs and such. No, it's not. $200, oh, it's fifty thousand a year. It's fifty thousand well, a year. Well, that's not two hundred. I know. I mean, any school now, it's out. It's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Fifty thousand at four years is two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but you said. And there year. are. No, I didn't. I said over four years. No, you didn't. I didn't know we'll what two hundred thousand dollars a year. To the tape. Eh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Anyway, all I'm saying is we've created all these systems, you know, like our insurance system, that says that you know a a tube of cream that costs uh, five dollars on the outside to manufacture can be sold to the an, at an uninsured price of four hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, it, the systems 
don't make any sense. sense. Any sense. So in some ways, you know, the voters who are, you know, just throwing their hands up and saying, just blow it all up and start over, I, I have a sympathy <laughs> for that. Well, they aren't yeah. wrong. No. No, it's not, but, but they have to focus. They have to. They can't scatter shot. They have to focus on fixing, picking a system, and fixing the system. Yeah. And uh, in some cases, it might be painful. Rip the bandage off, but blow up the system. Yeah, people imagine no private medical insurance. Yeah. Boo hoo. That's a bunch of CEOs not going to make any more money, and that's fine. They've got plenty. There was another article just to change the subject <laughs> because the subject gets me down. Um, I'll let – wait, let me get two more emails in on the subject before I do that. Uh, Ed writes, first, how long will impeachment take at the minimum? That's what I'm unclear about. Will the findings during impeachment be public knowledge? Well, absolutely. I mean, impeachment is, public a, hearings. is a transparent public process. So, yeah, that is why it's so powerful. It ain't going to be closed door. It'll be out there. Will the findings, if public, make some Trump supporters switch to another candidate? I don't know. Uh, might make them sit out. Might make them... I don't know, might energize them because their their darling is under attack. Uh, but there aren't enough of them because we're now aware that we got to go to the polls. I, I, there's, I don't think he's got, his base is not enough to elect him. No, if we turn out our voters, we win. Right. And uh, Ed's wondering, will the findings in the impeachment process make more voters vote Democratic. Well, I, that's not what the process is for. But I suspect the um, spectacle of hearing people tell their stories under oath about what that White House is and all the criminal things he tried to do that they refused to let him do, all that coming out is certainly not going to, uh, I would think, uh, drive people away from voting for a Democrat. Um, Ed says Democrats need to pick a very good candidate that almost all Democrats will get behind. Yes, the question is, how are the Democrats going to do that? Well, I don't know. If they manage to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory again, then the Democratic Party is... Uh, while maybe not as corrupted as the Republican Party, is certainly as moribund. I mean... Yeah. And far more broken than the Republican Party. Yeah. So let's not let that happen, I have to say. <laughs> okay, this this is from, I think, a Trump supporter. Mark, I have trouble understanding a lot of what you say. He says, impeach, do it. Drag the country through the mud again for another two years. Bring it at the fuck on. You think there's a reward? Go ahead. Make my day. Yeah, he's saying it'll backfire. This is from a Trump supporter. I don't think so. You know, you can't... Right, right. Just just because you're the, 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 the Trump supporter doesn't care what his president has done or our president has done 
doesn't mean that most good Americans agree with you. Right. Okay, I'm changing the subject. And I we've talked okay. about this before, but, but okay, some... I have a I have something that I like I think is great too. But anyway, go. Okay, go ahead. Oh no! Did you read about the high school students, who journalists who were shut out of um, a open roundtable between uh, with Betsy DeVos and I think the Kentucky state did this, the Kentucky governor for yes. journalists. Okay. Right, but go tell the story. Okay, so they have this roundtable on charter schools, invitation only for uh, journalists. They do not invite any student journalists. The subject is charter schools, and public school um, newspaper journalists wanted to attend, attend. Right. Uh, um, as did some other journalists who were not invited, and also not invited were any represent any representatives of public education <laughs> no none so there's nobody in that this is a this is a going to be a one side of the story thing so student journalists try and get in and are refused admission because they did not RSVP and of course they could not RSVP because they weren't invited because they they were not asked so uh, the story is a wonderful story in that all things are educational. That was always my rule as president of the school board. Everything is an educational opportunity. And what these kids learned was when you're shut out of the story that you went to write, that becomes the story. Right. And they publicized this and they wrote about it and it got picked up, obviously, yes. by the national um, right. press who publicizes the disgusting way in which they're, they are shoving their agenda, you know, in, in places that people have absolutely no idea is happening. And they're trying to shape the conversation by inviting curated press and feeding them stuff that without anybody telling the other side of the story. So that's one side of the story. The other side of the story is Mark Zuckerberg in this, I think the same beleaguered state of Kentucky has gotten a whole school district to basically throw out their children and let the Zuckerbergs put it together, the, the curriculum all on laptops, eight hours a day, with simply a mentor teacher circulating occasionally. Well, that's not and a school. At, no, and after four months of this, kids are... Kids are one poor kid has an, uh, more seizures than they used to have. Kids are getting headaches. Kids are you know uninvolved and bored and crying. Parents are screaming. This they have decided that their teachers are. This is what happens when you have a concerted effort to convince people that the that the most important thing in a classroom is not, not the teacher not at the front right. of the room. Right, it's a computer. No, and this is that, where they're going to dear folks is a lie. Yeah. It's just a lie. And putting a face on a computer to talk to a thousand kids is not the same. God. And having a mentoring teacher walk through is not 
the same. Oh, dear. And expecting a five-year-old to be able to lead their own educational story is such nonsense. It makes me want to puke. But anyway, I thought those two stories appearing side by side were very interesting in terms of the assault on education and and the bright lights of the students themselves standing up and saying, this is the pits. Cut it out. God. All right. Well, then I'm going to my story, which won't, you know, your story started being slightly uplifting and then got me depressed by the time. Turn took, I know. Right. I can't help it. All right. So Uh-oh. I'm going to go to something that is absolutely of no consequence at all, really, much. Good. But it is something that has the potential of having consequence in certain people's lives, but this is something that they don't have to do. And I've talked about this before, but the science section of the Times today has another report on it, and I find the subject interesting. It is that increasingly, as more and more people Botox their faces... (laughs) <laughs> the science they can't they they have no empathy that's right they and relationships suffer they so they get botox that paralyzes parts of the musculature um of of their faces and what they disrupt is their ability to um emote um, in ways that, you know, we're not, what it is, is well, it's, it's not even things. emoting. We don't, we're not it's aware mirroring. of this. We're not aware of this kind of thing. And they point out, it, it, imagine, so, you know, a baby. Well, so we were just with Susan's beautiful grandchildren. And they, they, they say, if a baby, you know, gives you a big smile, what do you do? You reflexively smile back. And and there is and the baby gets it. The baby lear- sees. We learn from the time we're we're you know this big to read. It's called mirroring, right? To read each other's faces in very subtle, very subtle ways, ultimately. And this has been the case since you know we lived in caves. This is evolutionary. Um, unfortunately, when you take away the ability to mirror the baby's smile, you're not only, you're cutting off a communication that used to happen because you have decided you are going to paralyze or stretch or plump or something, your lips, your eyes, whatever, and what you end up is feeling like you look younger, but what you have done is you flattened your affect. You have made it difficult for you to connect to other people and for them to see you connecting to them. This is not the kind of stuff we're aware of happening, but it happens. Um, 
Well, it's also part of the science that, so if you, if someone is telling you a very sad story and they, and their eyes well up in tears yes, and their mouth goes down, reflexively, frequently, at least your mouth goes down. Right. And you might also just reflexively well up in tears. empathic tears. Right. And, and if, and this is informed, your brain is informed not only by the side of this, but by your face's reaction. Right. So as your face go da- goes down, it's telling your brain, you're unhappy, you're unhappy, and the tears come to your eyes. And so it's, these, it's a system. It, you know, we're, we're little machines. It's a system. And when you go in and you deliberately paralyze part of the system, you're turning off that communication to your brain. That's right. So this article says, again, that the, the fact that more and more people are doing this it's truly worrying because every time you interact with another person, the two of you subconsciously and subtly reflect each other's facial expressions. We do this all the time. We're not necessarily conscious of it. But by mirroring the other person's expressions, as Susan was saying, you not only signal that you are engaged and participating, but it's also a kind of feedback loop that helps you then empathize. So if you hinder your ability to do that, even a little bit, because you don't like the wrinkles around your eyes or something, you are changing the social dynamic between you and every person that you interact with. Um, it's Can I just you, add on as on an editorial note that when I look at a woman who's got a, a of a, a you know my age who's got a totally unlined upper lip and no wrinkles in her forehead, I don't think my how young you look. I think you're full of Botox. Yeah, it's I, not I, like, I you feel look, like you, you look. You don't look better to anybody. I it's don't a, think so. It's a tell. So. It's simply you're walking around saying. I'm very vain, and I'll let people stick needles that are painful and pay lots of money for it every six, every six months. Well, I think <laughs> and it's I'm mostly telling because you, you don't look they better. do it because they, I've got friends who do it. They do it because they don't like what they see in the mirror, and they want to look like they looked before when they liked it. But they see. don't. And, well, they, they, they sort of do. They sort of do. Um, and... But who are they kidding? I guess. I mean, I just, I just, who are you kidding? And then there's this nonsensical stuff of the fact that you could even be disconnecting yourself from from good interaction with people. Um, well, you're right. I'm right. Like, it, it has a real effect. It is not of no consequence. Um, and, okay, we'll, we'll agree to disagree about whether people... You know, I know people think they look better that way, and it's important for people to feel good about themselves. But then I'm going to put it all over to this, you know, this this feminist slant of stuff that is, why are we telling ourselves that it is socially unacceptable for a woman to age? I know. 
That's not right. I know. And, and well, that's, I, that's why should thing. I accept that? Right. They, they, why can't someone right. say, you look beautiful? In, because, you know, yeah, you've lived for 67 years and you got a wrinkle. Why is that not beautiful? Well, culturally, we've been programmed. And as women, this is all part of a misogynistic thing, too. That's that right. I are I, only I, a value <laughs> in as much as they are youthful and, uh, and lovely. And the minute, and so women, you know, more, a lot of women incorporate that uh, lesson. Uh, Maybe they certainly more readily than you have or I have because we, you know, we ain't going to do this stuff. But I do see women around me doing it, and I think, what, first of all, what a waste. What a waste of time, energy, money. And then imagine the anxiety that that drives you to do that. Well, and uh, you're because and and in cases of people, you know, going in to have surgery, um, you're you're literally risking your life. Always. Always, and and I'm telling you, I know people that have died for the sake of a nose job. Oh yeah, yeah, right. We, we know we, we know aware. people. So. Okay, it just says this, but with all you Botox folks, most of the time you're not even consciously aware that you and the other person you are talking to are involved in this micro-mirroring exercise, but the brain, your brain, registers it, and it contributes to your feelings of connectedness. So if you or your partner fail to reflect each other because you've just been Botoxed, you may feel unsettled and disconnected and not know why. Muscle movements in the face sustain interactions between people. And if you take that out, you're working with a blank slate. This is from a professor at, uh, at psychiatry at Pitt. And he says, that's not an effective way of maintaining rapport or establishing connections. So he's saying the more you do this, the harder it's to really be there with another person. You've frozen part of yourself. You know who's done it, and I worry it is Pelosi. Yeah. Doesn't she look odd? Her eyes look particularly odd. Yes. I mean, she is amazing in that she's 80, what the hell is she? She's 79, I think. Or is she even 80? I think she's 80. You do? And she still, I mean, you know, she looks, she's 79. She looks ridiculously good. But there are times when... I see her when she's speaking that that fa- her face doesn't move. Right. And 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 that's off-putting to me. It, it, and I guess it's because it's not a normal face anymore. But I mean that she still she does she works so dang hard and she's always looks, you know, beautifully dressed and is always walking around in those 3-inch heels at that age. I don't even understand it. I mean that's a superwoman. But I wish she hadn't done the Botox stuff. No, I just, I wish that, I wish for all women that they felt so good about themselves 
that they didn't need to do this. And and I want to convince women that the most important part of you is really, really, really not how you look. If I mean, you know, let's just face it. 90% of us aren't that great looking. So if that's the scale, then we start out life as losers. I'm not going there. I, that's, that, I refuse to let that be the scale of women's worth. It's like this guy that they want on the Fed who said that, you know, did you read about, what's his name? Is it Simon? I, some guy. I got it right who, here. Yeah. This is a, such a revolting human being. Stephen Moore, who uh, with, uh, what's his name, Kane, are the two guys that uh, Trump wanted to put on the Federal Reserve Board. Kane has now uh, disappeared. But we're Moon left with Stephen stage, Moore. Right who wrote a lot of columns for the National Review, and uh, he denounced the feminization of basketball. He denounced co-ed sports. He argued that women should be barred from refereeing or covering men's games unless they're good-looking. Or wear halter tops. He also wrote that female athletes were seeking equal pay for inferior work and added, quote, is there no area in life where men can take vacation from women? Well, you can see why Trump Poor beleaguered white man, you know. The question would be better, is there no place that women can take a vacation from yeah. you? Yeah. Ugh. Unbelievable. You know, but yeah, yeah. You know, see, I mean, it's um, one of the reasons that it, it becomes difficult to be cheery is because there has been this outpouring of acceptance of this boorish activity. So you can't have a discussion of anything without suddenly that popping up. Do you, do you know what I mean? Well, we, I think I was talking about that a little bit yesterday. That's the Internet. The Internet has unleashed uh, our worst selves and has weaponized everything. So outrage is the default status of everything. And, and the way their algorithms work, it, it, it buttresses this kind of thing, you know. Right, right, right. The more outraged you are, the more it pops up, right? Right. And um, there was a, I don't know what... Where was it? You can't, I, there's a, a quote from somebody here um, who's saying that if you think you're going to get a uh, handle on this, uh, forget about it. Uh, social media has blown the lids off all the controls that have kept society in check. These platforms give voice to everyone, and some of those voices are malevolent or they are certainly false and they now have a megaphone that they never ever 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 had before and one executive who said if people are trying to get a handle on this now forget about it you can't shut it off it's too late it's true yep Yep. So that's what we That done. one left the station. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And I I saw this little story too. 
Vietnam broke its national high temperature record over the weekend. I mean, this hap is happening all, just so you know, it's happening all over the place. It was 110 degrees in Vietnam. They have never, ever seen a temperature like that. It was 30 degrees over what the high is normal would be. Yeah. Um, it said it softened crayons, liquefied chocolate. <laughs> people and people don't have air conditioning there. It, um, it says it's so brutal, so scorching hot. Um, you know, you can imagine the impact. It affects daily life. People aren't able to do their jobs. Uh, whatever. Just so, you know, you see these stories over and over and over again. Ay, ay, ay. Okie dokie doke, I think. I think I'm getting there. So, Suze, there's this You think? One. Huh? I said, you think, have we? Well, we're <laughs> a minute short or two short, but, you know, <laughs> I got some other stuff here, but it all looks pretty depressing and I just don't want it I don't want it I can't I got it I can't either I mean that's a, I'm I'm trying very hard to just you know focus on nice things it's absolutely beautiful here today it's going to be balmy uh, things are about to pop yeah. it's the time of spring and renewal uh, you know I'm 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 trying. I'm trying to claw myself out of here. <laughs> yeah, we all are. There's a we're all struggling. We are all struggling. It's really something. Well, yeah, and I'm not going to try to just uh, you know, Oh, just quickly at, at the last second. So, how do you think the Supreme Court's going to do on the um LGBT. census question? The which Oh, the census question. That's what's being heard today. Yeah. Um, I'm scared. I mean, this court is terrifying to me. I'm, I'm, um, okay. If, if they don't, if they don't find this to be a reasonable constitutional issue that only has one decision, then uh, okay. Okay, I wish I hadn't brought this up. <laughs> no, there's a lot of, they're, they're starting to take some, cases that are uh, really fraught and frightening and there make no mistake there is a strong conservative court here now yeah but conservative you know just to remind you used to mean sticking to the literal interpretation of the law and if they do that the constitution says that it is an enumeration of the thing. Now, they're going to argue that the whole thing hinges on whether it's this guy's right in spite of that to make the question to whatever he wants, regardless if it's a proper enumeration. It's his call. And, uh, you know, so that's going to, if they decide it that way, I'll be unhappy. If I, constitutionally, I can't imagine anybody coming up with anything but the correct answer. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's whether they reach that question, and that's my prediction, that if they reach the question, it gets decided properly. If they don't, it's because they allowed themselves the out 
of the administrative decision-making process. Yeah. It's, there's been some cases. The court, by um, uh, there's been indications that the court is not um, running real smoothly right now, that there's a lot of anger on the court. And it's being, um, I, I've been meaning to share this story about uh, how uh, Justice Breyer, you know, just wrote this blistering, uh, blistering, angry uh, dissent to something uh, that, I don't even think it was a dissent, I think it was a memo to the rest of the court when they failed to uh, give him and other justices time to uh, revisit something, and and this right, was also they, and they called. They made a decision at three o'clock in the morning, so that they could kill somebody. Yeah. So that they could execute somebody. Right. And um, it says here that things have quickly gotten ugly at the court since the replacement of Justice Kennedy. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Okay, so I have very okay. little faith in the court, and it scares me. <laughs> we'll just see what happens. All righty, Sue. I mean, thank you. Okay. And uh, okay, see you soon. Yeah, yeah, and safe travels. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Um. All right, you guys. I'm gonna go out there and grab the little bit of sun. I guess that's gonna be there for the next hour or two. Right before après la deluge. No, is that après mean before? No, le deluge, um, or is that after? Uh, what is before in French? <laughs> listen, listen. I don't have much in the way of uh, lingu. What? Enfant? E-V- oh, avant. A-V-A-N-T. I must leave avant le deluge. Because après, I think, is after it. Adieu. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.